Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Call is brought to you by CMC Markets, a world-leading online trading platform for CFDs and shares around the globe. Hello, welcome back to Oz's Business Live from our Brangaroo Studios. For the call, 10 stocks picked by you. I put them to our expert panel. We do it all in one hour. Let's get straight into it because there's a lot to get through. Carl Kapalinga from Think Markets. The, uh, the chart guru is with us uh, this afternoon. So great to pick your brains, Carl. Thanks for joining us. Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial here as well. Uh, Michael, good to see you. Good to be For, here. First half hour, we're going to look at Woodside, O Media, Minkor Resources, Samphire Resources, Abacus Property Group. The reason I'm whipping through all the introduction is because I want to get down to business. Uh, and I always take advantage of Carl in the nicest possible way when he comes on because he is the chart guru. Uh, and if you um, tune into his Tuesday briefings, which I do, uh, about an hour and a half. God, goes on forever, but covers a lot of stocks, all on the charts. I love it. Tune in religiously. Uh, Carl, uh, first of all, the market's looking iffy. What, what's the chart say? Uh, give us the ASX 200. What's it, t- what's it telling us? Yeah, it does. It continues to look very shaky indeed. I mean, this isn't news, Koshi. This is, I mean, the fact that... That the trends haven't been good it shouldn't be news to anybody that's been listening to Ausbiz. You know, I'm on yeah. every Friday telling people, hey, that the trends have changed. And I've been saying it since January. Uh, go check the tape. So, look, I don't take any pleasure in being right. You know, I mean, the, the people are suffering, uh, the investors are suffering. We're seeing, you know, hard-earned money, right. unfortunately, evaporate. So, no pleasure in the fact that, you know, largely I've been right. But I guess it highlights, you know, you've, you've got to have some sort of defence mechanism. Yeah. And I, so and what's I get, that green bar down down the bottom? That looks encouraging. Uh, well, that's it's encouraging. Well, that's where I think we're going to see some demand come in. Why? Because there was some demand there in the past. Uh, so we saw a big rally, you know, strong rally from 64.07. And then we had a pullback to 65.39 and then rallied again. So the theory of, of su- support and resistance is that where there was demand in the past, there may well be demand oh. in the future. Now, that is that is may well. So the way we understand if there is actually demand there is from the Japanese candlesticks. And now we're looking for lower shadows. So lower shadows, we've all felt, we've all had this feeling in, in when things are uh, a bit nervous, is the market sells off on a, in a panic in the morning. And then somehow, I mean, everybody thinks that's it. It's the end of the world. But somehow by the afternoon, the market has turned around and it's trading up for the day. It doesn't have to be up much, but it, it, it raised those gains. Mm-hmm. That is a combination of big money saying, this is the level we're coming in. Let's flip the switch. And the other important thing is short covering, Koshi. So there's a lot of hedge funds out there that they love it when the market goes down. They're very right. short. And it's and, and their, their covering back of their shorts equals buying as well. So that is a big component of... of uh, facilitating a rally. So those lower shadows, it's the line bits that point down are the key. 
So if we see those in that green zone, we're more likely to rally. The problem is we're not seeing them. They're not there. Right. So the demand okay. that I was you know, potentially expecting here isn't appearing and that is more concerning. So if the demand's not there, they're probably waiting for lower prices. Make no mistake, there are trillions of dollars out there in, in, in earning, you know, a few percent now, right now, they've gone to cash. The money's there, but it wants lower prices. And that's the right. message for investors. Prices can get a lot lower before that um, big, big demand. So comes. Uh, the that's saying fall. it's going to fall well below 6407. The yeah, other well, look, unfortunately, yeah, then the next level beneath that, it's not too far away. There's one at about 6250, um, but then it really slips from there. We could be could be seeing sixes, mm. and I've been warning of this idea of this next leg down because of right. these, you know, global macroeconomic factors. Yeah, uh, and maybe we're getting pretty okay. close to it. In the past, we've seen bounces. This time, we've hit that level without a bounce. Yeah. And that's well, the tech, tech stocks have been smashed even more. Is yep. the Nasdaq showing any bounce back? Uh, no, the Nasdaq probably looks worse, and I think we're seeing yeah. uh, that that that. Remember, I talked about. We don't know it's demand until we get there and see the candles. And we've tried to we've tried to bounce here three candles in a row. Those last three candles right on the far right, and and we've been beaten down each time. So the mentality is very much sell the rally. If there's a rally, that's a chance to sell. So if you've got bigger picture views that prices are going to be much lower in a few weeks and a few months, you have to, you've got no choice. Fund managers are like big whales, Koshi. They can't get in and out like us little guys at an instant. So they have to take advantage of any liquidity coming in on the demand side to, to let that stock go. And that's okay. the concern. All right. Gee, on, that's a, a really happy start to the show, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Michael, yeah, but, yeah. The, but Michael, the charts do, um, that's why I like, like putting him up and having Carl on because you know, we are picture sort of people, yeah. aren't we, as human beings? And that gives you a great summary of just how fragile the market is at the moment. Absolutely. And the big thing that was holding up the ASX for so long was the strength in the materials companies, the miners. Yeah. Um, we've seen a lot of the commodity commodities get smashed in yeah. recent weeks along as the US dollars increased and, and strengthened. So that safety net that was there for the ASX has sort of been pulled slowly from under it. Yeah. And it's not really surprising now that you're seeing at an index level, it's coming down a long right. way as some of those big miners come under pressure okay. and the commodity prices come under pressure. But there's been a lot of damage below the surface, but now some of those bigger names are starting to follow as well. Okay. So we've got a few of those bigger names coming up as uh, uh, we showed in the uh, the first half hour and the second half hour of the program. We'll drill down a bit more into that. But stock of the day, I thought we'd uh, take a look at the ASX, the, um, the listed company behind the uh, uh, behind the, the share trading platform had its AGM this morning um, this this chess <laughs> movement of uh, chess into a, uh, a a different platform no update on that um, it has been sort of going on for years years and years uh, ASX telling shareholders that it's weighty on Accenture's independent review new chief executive uh, Helen Lofthouse uh, told shareholders projects of this side and complexity are always challenging. This one certainly has. Uh, shares in ASX trading a bit higher today. Um, Michael, what do you think of ASX? Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's been a very good performer um, over, say, a five-year period. It is quite a conservative-type business, but what we do like about it is it is a, a capital-light business. So, look, it's come back, yeah, look, a long way in recent times because there are basically three components that drive the earnings of ASX. There are the daily settlements, um, yep. there are the 
primary market IPOs, which contribute about 20% of earnings, uh, and then just general sort of volume. Um, and we've obviously seen some of those areas come back a little bit in recent times, particularly the IPO market. Um, but they are flagging a potential rise or about a 10 to 15% increase in their cost base. Um, but I think a big part of ASX is the dividend yield. It is a consistent, steady dividend payer, pays out about 90% of a payout ratio. Um, but the problem is as bond yields rally as strongly as they have, it just becomes a little bit less attractive to people at the margins. So strong business um, over the long term should do well as stock markets grow and do well and listings come on. But at the moment, I will just be steering clear. Right. Um, wouldn't put a sell. I just have a hold if you've been a long term holder. But the trend right. does look pretty poor in the short term. So if you have a more short term time frame, you could definitely sell it just because right. of that momentum looks pretty average. Okay. Um, Carl, what do you think of ASX? Yeah, I agree. Um, momentum looks pretty average. Look, I mean, obviously volatility isn't bad for them. So, you know, they don't care um, if, whether the market's going up or down. It's They're just clipping the ticket on the way through. But as Michael said, look, IPOs, 20% of their business, they tend to, IPOs tend to slow down. So less companies tend to go to market when the market's terrible because the, the goal is to go to the market when the market's fantastic and yeah. you can flock your shares off at, you know, at, at exorbitant prices. So, um, yeah, it, 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 it look, I think they're quite defensive, though. Having said that, I think it's quite a defensive stock. I just don't think it's very cheap. I think that's the problem on the on the fundamental side. So trading about 27 times this year's earnings, about six, five, six percent uh, compound annual growth rate over the next um, three or four years, which is pretty average as well. And the, the yield is okay, sort of three and a half percent. But you know, you're getting three and a half percent in a in a, in a bond now, in a 10-year bond. So it's hard to make a case for this one on the fundamentals. The chart, I think, reflects that as well. The chart mm. is looking pretty shaky, as Boris said. It's, it's coming back to the bottom of a range. If it cracks here, um, it could go quite a bit, actually. So I think um, 65s could be a possibility and, and maybe even 60s. And, and if the broader market goes, then that's not an unreasonable expectation. So if I can't find a reason to buy it on the fundamentals, on the valuation and the chart, if there's no reason to buy yeah. it, I have to go sell. Yeah, okay, all right. Uh, Linda wants a view, Carl, on Woodside. Okay, energy mm. stocks have been the flavour of the month, and um, and when when you look at the price movements of uh, uh, particularly gas and and oil, um, what do you think? Yeah, it's, it is. I mean, we've we've been backers of uh, Woodside of the energy sector. Yep. Um, that again. So our thesis was um, that. We, there's going to be some sort of event in this northern hemisphere winter that does cause a big shock to natural gas prices particularly yeah. um, and that would see Woodside spike up, finally hit 40 bucks and then we'd be up to sell. Uh, the best laid plans of mice and men, gosh, you don't always go to, yeah. go, go to, go to plan. So it hasn't turned now, out. Now this is the gas, gas price, isn't on. it? Yeah, so you can yeah. see that big pullback in natural gas prices. It's not yeah. particularly un unexpected to be fair because you know, they're going to ebb and flow. Um, interestingly, they're up about 8% last night. So that's mm. that last little white handle there. That's interesting. But the US um, gas prices have come off um, and are staying a bit lower. And then crude oil uh, is coming off as well. So, you know, Woodside is about 80% um, natural gas, 20% crude, for people who are wondering. And right, right. The, yeah, so that, look, that's important to understand. So it's mainly based upon the gas price. And that's why we were happy to back it. Um, I still think something horrible is going to go wrong, but it's a hunch. And, and the way, you know, if you listen to me on Tuesday, as I said, we, we yeah. were talking sort of 80% cash levels uh, for, 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 you know, people who are listening to me, not not 10 or 15% your average fund manager has, right? So with the little bit we're playing with, we're targeting bottom left, top right charts. And Woodside, I still think qualifies as that. So you have to understand the context 
of of my thinking right now is you are still trading but you're trading with such a little bit of capital if it goes wrong you're not going to get beaten up by it i think you can hold one side i still think this thesis is going to play out um but i, I guess it doesn't help your longer term self-managed super funds Koshi, because you know we've got traders and you've got long-term holders as well um long term i still think you want to have Woodside in your portfolio i think you've right. got to have some energy but were you saying the other day um sell a third of your holding uh not on Woodside, no. We were talking about, well, look, there were some, some, some candles that came in yeah. and I'm pretty sure, I'd have to go check the tapes. I'm pretty sure I said, look, I don't like these candles, but I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. Oh, okay. Um, and and, and that, that benefit of the doubt probably hasn't turned out too well. I mean, look, it's about the same price as when I said that because when you add back, the don't forget you can add back $2 worth of dividend and franking yeah. credits. Um, but, you know, I, I'm still, I'm going to go hold. Hold, uh, right. It, yeah. Okay. Not quite a buy. Candles uh, aren't there yet. Michael? Um, look, it's a like a premium asset on the ASX. It's done a wonderful job in expanding its LNG output over the last couple of decades. I think they started off with one train of LNG going up and down. Now they've got five. Um, so there's been an enormous increase in production, and that really does service the the Asian market, which are heavily reliant on LNG um, for their for their power. Um, the, the transaction with BHP, acquiring BHP's energy assets and LNG assets was being very good for their balance sheet. Um, they brought over a lot of cash for that and it reduced their leverage considerably. Um, but you've got to be conscious of the LNG price basically and, and that has spiked up a lot and has come back a long way. Um, we don't mind Woodside but our preference has been for Santos just because of the yeah. free cash flow trajectory that Santos is on as they start to realise some of their investments in recent years. Um, I can go hold on Woodside, but our preference is for Santos right. so, um, as that energy exposure. Although we are conscious of a you know, slowing economy globally and the pressure yeah. that puts on oil prices and in turn LNG. The proviso is that there isn't an energy shock that comes out of Europe that sends the prices higher again. But we are conscious of that narrative playing yeah. out as well and perhaps aren't as bullish on energy as we were three, six months ago. Okay. All right. Because the um, uh, Northern Hemisphere winter. Well, uh, gets into full swing. So that's right. That's and that's factored in in many ways. But there right. are obviously issues that could flare up given some of the issues yep. that we know are confronting that that part of the world. Okay. All right. So it's all factored. So everything's factored in until there's no gas left exactly. in your stores and everybody's freezing, freezing <laughs> in the in the cold. So yeah. that's kind of our thesis. So this this was a very specific um, trade that we talked about, um, Koshi, with with I got with the as you say, my Tuesday session. So it was it was very much a trade from a trade perspective, not an investment perspective. Right. And sometimes you've got hunches, they play out, they don't play out. But we, I do, right. you have that gut feeling, um, you could see that huge spike uh, and that'll be a, well, a, you know, a boom, a boom for Woodside. Particularly when there's accusation of sabotaging yeah, absolutely. Um, it's oil and gas pipelines at yep. the bottom of the sea at the moment. There's, yeah. Yep. yeah, it's sort of James Bond type stuff, isn't it? It's ridiculous. Um, all right, uh, our next stock that, um, uh, that Jess wants a viewer, Michael, is O Media, the big outdoor signage group. Um, yep. Shot the lights out at its um, full year results, didn't it? Yeah, relative to expectations, yeah. but it still hasn't quite captured its pre COVID levels. Um, essentially, it's all the outdoor advertising that you see on the highways and in airports, yep. train stations. They did take a bit of a hit during COVID. Um, because of the fact that the, the airports weren't as active as they once were. Um, they are slowly clawing it back, but their margins yeah, but see, are lower. That's what you're talking about, is that they, uh, above expectations, yeah. when they reported 
uh, end of July, August, but they haven't haven't held that enthusiasm. Well, what's what we've been seeing in in the marketing space is traditional media has actually been capturing a lot of the the marketing spend. So some right. of your your old world TV stations, etc., have seen a bounce back post COVID, where some of these less traditional media um, assets haven't really seen that. And there is a lot of discussion around them having to renew contracts in the years to come, and they'll be probably doing that at lower clips um, in order mm. to incentivize people to come back onto their platforms or onto their their um, big billboards. So that is something to consider long term. There is underpenetration in this form of digital uh, marketing. Um, I think it's about five percent of the overall marketing budget in Australia goes towards right. billboards, whereas you know places like the UK and Canada are seven eight percent. So if you think that we're going to follow that path, there could be a, a natural growth towards that. But media is a very competitive space, and I think at the moment people are just feeling more comfortable in going down a path they're more familiar with, uh, where there's some better analytics potentially as well. But it does look pretty cheap when you look at the chart like that, but its revenues have come down, its margins have fallen, and although they're slowly recovering, they're not close to where they were pre-COVID. So want to wait for some more news, I think, on that one before you look to to jump in. Uh, Carl, O-Media? Yeah, look, I I like the business. I think, you know, obviously, COVID, right? Tough time. And it's just the reason why they haven't bounced back as as fast as uh, some of the other media as Michael suggested, it's just foot traffic and road traffic. I mean, they've got signs on sides of roads and in shopping centres in airports. So um, the pandemic structurally potentially has kept a number of people at home and will continue to do so. So when people, uh, you know, when marketing, um, you know, uh, offices are working out budgets, uh, potentially they're allocating less to the foot traffic. But I do think in the longer run, that'll come back. And I think the business is actually pretty cheap and it's got some really good growth in it. And then I'm going to be a broken record today on the, on the stocks I do like from a business perspective. I get to the chart and the chart looks terrible. So I have to defer to the chart. I'm one person doing my analysis with either my rose-coloured glasses on or not. I've got all my biases and all my opinions that go into that analysis to form my evaluation. The chart is everyone else, okay? All the other smart people out there doing their own analysis, but more than that, voting with their cash by buying or voting with their shares by selling them, and the trend is down. So there's more supply than demand, and I have to defer to the wisdom of the market, Koshi, and unfortunately, okay. I just want to sell. All right. Uh, Mike wants to view on Mincor Resources, Carl. Mike says, with everyone on the lithium bandwagon, I'm considering a play towards nickel and copper. Could you yeah, ask? Why not? Carl, to do an analysis on fundamentals and a good entry point to buy and or accumulate um, these for um, future EV plays. Yeah, well, I think Mincor will be a good one at some point. So, you know, emerging nickel producer. Obviously, nickel is yep. the other component that doesn't get any attention in terms of uh, your EV EV batteries and things like that, but of course it's a key component. Um, but yeah, look, the, the, the nickel look, the, the nickel market, the market for nickel is a, is far more um, settled than the lithium market. So in terms of supply and demand, there's plenty of nickel supply out there. Having said that, right now stocks of nickel in LME warehouses in London and also in, uh, in Shanghai warehouses in Shanghai are very very low. Part of that's um, due to the pandemic, part of that's due to supply chain shortages. But the expectation is, much like for copper, which we'll talk about in a second, that um, supply is going to come back. Now, the market 
and the price will depend on how quickly it comes back and if it comes back. But I, I do think it, it will. So look, don't think that the pricing dynamics for nickel and copper are the same for lithium. I think lithium is yeah. in a sweet spot for the time being and can, can continue to be for a little bit longer. Okay. Right. Um, so that's a, that, that's the first problem. Otherwise, yeah, look, they're they're they're, they're just going into production at the at the moment or, or restarting production at their um, Cambaldon mine because it was on care of maintenance. Why? Why was it in care of maintenance? Because nickel prices were so low. So that should just give you an insight into the cycle, the commodity cycle. You have to understand. When things are going gangbusters and the trends are up, you want to be on these things. Uh, when economic growth is slowing, there's uncertainty, you don't want to be on them. And I think we're in the second category, to cut a long story short. And that's why I don't think it's time to buy these yet. Okay, I think you still want to just keep your cool, just play it like Fonzie on your, on your, on your mining stocks at the moment. <laughs> find the ones you like, find the ones like this that are going to have amazing cash flows that when, those, when that cash comes in, they're going to look crazy cheap. But you want to see that broader picture change because it won't matter how good they are when everything feels like it's coming to an end and maybe we're going to get that panic like we did back in uh, 2008, 2009 again, everything's going to get tagged. So I will put this on your radar. It's not ready yet on the chart. Um, so, yeah, mm. I, I mean, you, you, you want to buy, hold or sell. Um, I, I can maybe squeak out a hold, but it is more leading to a sell on the chart. Right. Okay. And uh, because, Michael... <laughs> It's timing that commodity cycle for these companies, isn't it? As Carl was saying, they're bringing Cambolda out of mothballs, yeah. but it's taken a while, so it's missed the big spike yeah, well, up, and now it's come down again. Yeah, right. And it's caught between a rock and a hard place. Well, it, it did the right thing by trying to fast forward that yeah. return to production, and it wasn't meant to return to production until I think um, maybe even the beginning of next year. Right. So they brought it forward, trying to capture those prices just missed the peaks, um, but they are continuing to ramp up production. I'm pretty sure they have an offtake agreement with BHP if they reach a certain threshold right. as well, um, but they're still a fair way off that. Um, the CEO, I think, has recently moved on as well, which is never ideal when you're looking to really ramp things back up. Yep. Um, so look, there, there are elements to like about this company. The fact that it is transitioning back into a producer, bringing in cash flows through the door, um, but they didn't provide guidance um, for FY23 just yet. So the market is kind of flying blind as what to exactly expect from this company. Um, but there are definitely you know, elements of optimism there after a, a period of a, a, just a basic mine that wasn't operating. So from my standpoint, I still think it's fairly high risk. The rising uh, US dollar is putting pressure on all commodity suites at the moment. We are seeing some of the, the tailwinds that were behind commodity prices start to come out. So I don't think there's any rush to go out and buy this one. So okay. yeah, I would right. be going with Not a for sell for now. Okay. Um, Samfire Resources. Um, and uh, well, uh, for Mike, who asked a question um, on, the, on the stock, it's a uh, good reminder from both Carl and Michael uh, to say just because lithium has gone up because of EV batteries, it's logical to think, well, what else needs to be in? an EV battery, hey, nickel's got to be it. That could be dragged up as well. Uh, doesn't often play out like that because there's different supply mechanisms and availability. So uh, bear that in mind. Uh, but thanks for your question. Um, next one is Sandfire Resources. Um, and uh, Mike, again, wants a, a view on this one because copper is in uh, the EV play as well. Uh, Michael, any different to um, 
uh, to Mincor? Well, Sandfire is one that we did hold for a lot of clients. Some clients still hold it um, because we don't mind the long-term thematic around copper. Um, there are some pretty wild predictions out there in the market as to what could happen to, to copper demand versus supply in the years to come. Uh, people were talking about similarities to the early 2000s when the copper price really took off because of some activity in China at the time. Um, but the thing is, with Sandfire, one of their concerns has always been the short mine life. They have managed to extend the mine life um, of one of their assets um, to 40 years, which is uh, into 2040, I think it is. So that's one promising thing at least. Um, their production of copper isn't meant to grow over the next few years, which is a little bit of a, a concern. Um, but their zinc production is expected to increase slightly. So it's unfortunate for, for Sandfire investors because they didn't really get the, the upside that Oz Minerals investors were getting um, from the rising copper price when that was occurring. But copper's come under pressure significantly as well over the last six months. Um, so that's another thing you need to consider. Basically, I think the share price is reflecting the fall in the copper price because yeah. the business itself has been doing all the right things, ticking all the right boxes. But when the copper price is down 30, 40, 50%, yep. um, it makes it very difficult for these businesses. So again, it's very hard to have a buy when the momentum is, is the way it is. And when there's so many question marks starting to emerge about the commodity space. So gonna have to go a sell on Sandfire. Right. And, and Carl, copper usually gets hit during economic recessions too, does it? Usually comes down. So that's a, another layer to add on to it. Yeah, look, absolutely. And there's a reason why we call it Dr. Copper, Koshi, because it's, you know, it's such a great indicator of the health of the, the global economy. It's such a ubiquitous yeah. metal. I mean, it's used in basically everything, in, you know, from industry to construction, uh, technology, and so on. So the copper price doesn't look good. The doctor looks sick. Koshi, that is the problem right now. And what does that tell you? Not that just for Sandfire, but for the, the rest of everything. You know, the, the global economy is in trouble. And that is the message that stock prices are telling you. And Sandfire, unfortunately, is in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I get it's, you know, it's got some pretty good operations. There's one in Spain, there's one in Botswana. They're just about to bring online pretty low cost producer, sort of not as low cost as BHP, but, you know, in the low end of the, the, the curve. Uh, put it in perspective, right? BHP produces about 1.7 million uh, tonnes of copper per annum. These guys produce about 100,000 tonnes per annum, right? right? So okay. compared to the big boys, they are minnows. And the big boys, they have the ability to, to, to increase production. So BHP is looking to increase production by about 10% over the next year. Whether they do that or not, that's yet to be seen. But copper production is expected to increase. Some of these um, supply constraints are expected to ease. and in addition to that, um, uh, the lower global growth, you're seeing the copper prices come down. Um, so these guys, if you look at um, their DFS, uh, it might have been on their Mateo project. They've got, what was it, four, uh, no, three fifty-seven a pound um, for their for their DFS. Um, so that's working out what the project is worth to them. So co it's copper's around about three twenty right now. They've mm. got some hedging in place, which helps them, but they've they've hedged out maybe three quarters of a year of production, and after that, they're going to be subject to the the vagaries of, of okay. copper prices. So again, look, put it on the list. There'll be a time and a place for these. It's just not right, right now. now. And as Michael sort of alluded to, so his clients, you know, that that hang on too long. You know, when everything's going up, it feels like it's going to go up forever. 
but nothing goes up forever. And there is a cycle with commodities. So you've got to be the person that says, you know what, things look great right now, I'm going to sell some. Or they're starting to turn around, I'm going to sell some. But please don't be that person that holds on all the way through the cycle yep. in, into the you know the complete downturn as well. Yep. All right. Um, uh, Regina wants a view on uh, Abacus Property Group, Michael, the, mm-hmm. uh, the REIT mainly commercial uh, property and some self-storage. Yeah, so the Sorry. split's actually in favour of self-storage. So Storage King is probably the brand that most people would be familiar with. Yep. Um, so that's the two parts to their business. They've got the commercial assets, which tend to be office space, not really in prime locations. Um, that might be a strategic thing that the business has done. But when it comes to the storage units, a lot of it is dependent on um, population growth ultimately. But they have done a good job in building a big presence there. Rents have been going up in that space. But the problem with storage units is the rental leases tend to be shorter, which means you're constantly having to turn over uh, and renew a lot of those leases. Um, they do carry um, a lot of debt or a fair amount of debt. Um, most of that is hedged out for next year, but then that falls away in years two and three. So the rising interest rate environment will eventually bite um, a company such as this. So that is something to be considering. Um, they also have about 10% of their leases that need to be renewed next year, then 17% the year after. Oh, that's So quite, in a rising quite, interest rate environment and a slowing economy, you have yeah. to be conscious of that because although they might renew those leases, will they be at the same prices? Um, and for the leases that they do have in place at the moment, 96% of them are fixed at 4% annual growth, which historically hasn't been too bad, but now you've got inflation mm. above that. Okay. And with only 4% linked to CPI, it's not an ideal situation for them. So right. the property space and the REIT space has come under a lot of pressure recently. We actually believe that there will be some value at some point there, but probably Abacus isn't one for us. Okay. So we're going to have a sell on that, just given all those factors. Yeah, Carl? Yeah, look, I agree. I mean, great summation there of uh, the business fundamentals from Michael. The only thing I would add to that, um, obviously, interest rates are a big problem for them and the property sector. You've seen the property sector absolutely get belted as this realisation that rates uh, are just going to keep going up. You know, the, the Federal yeah. Reserve is just you know, the, the, the iron hand in that regard. So uh, the other, the only other thing I might add is, you know, we've probably accumulated a bunch of junk um, through through COVID. Maybe we're storing them in these storage places. And if the economy does turn down, maybe we're going to go sell them, sell all that junk. I don't know. Um, yeah, being being a bit uh, flippant here. No, look, well, I still think it's I still think it's uh, looking at the fundamentals and our, our valuation. It's still about uh, 11. I've got 11 point seven percent overvalued. So we've got a fair value target of 216. Um, the growth is Quite flat anyway. It's about four percent growth, and it's trading at about sort of 13, 14 times earnings, which sounds high for a company with that that growth outlook and the risk set of there. So I'm with Michael. Uh, I'm a sell on this one. It's one I've uh, put out as a short uh, recently, oh. and I didn't give you the buy hold sell in Sandfire. It was probably obvious, but it, we've yep. got a short. So not just sell. We're oh. looking to short these things okay. as well. All right. Okay. Let's recap the first five uh, stocks. Uh, the ASX. A sell from Carl, a no from uh, Michael Woodside, a hold from both. Michael prefers um, Santos over Woodside. Omedia, a no from both. Mincor, a sell from both. Sandfire, a sell from both. And Abacus, uh, or not only sell for Sandfire, but Carl is short here. Um, and similar with Abacus as well. Um, here on the call, we've been following our, the call's investment uh, fantasy portfolio. Uh, as picked by the Investment Committee. You can watch the last committee meeting on 
ausbiz.com they meet this week and that will be up next week for uh, October. Uh, in September, Universal Store, Next DC, Lottery Corp, Resved, Oz Minerals All Out, Caroon, Boss, Solpats, Premier Investments, South 32 all added. And uh, since the 1st of March, the fund is down, the fantasy fund down almost 3%. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools. Plus, our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, in this half hour, we're going to take a look at Macquarie Bank, APA, uh, Mars Group, uh, Worley and Vicinity Centres. Um, Michael Damien wants a view on Macquarie Bank. Macquarie is one that we hold for clients, have held for a long time. We haven't been buying any of late, just given the, the current macroeconomic environment. Um, but it's a... A very good business, very well diversified these days. The volatility that we've been seeing in commodity markets should be supportive for the business. Um, the asset management industry seems, to, or part of the business, seems to have settled down a little bit as well. Um, the chart does look horrendous, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that if you're taking a three to five year view, historically these 20, 30, 40 percent pullback in the Macquarie share price has given investors the opportunity to pick up what is a very good quality company. Um, but look, if you're looking out three to six months, anything could really happen just depending right. on global markets. But I think, you know, if you're picking the business up around the $150 mark, um, you can be pretty comfortable with that. It's had a great track record of growing its earnings, growing its dividends over the years. It's reduced its cyclicality um, by increasing its exposure to more annuity type assets and, and businesses. So it's one that we always have on our watch list, and I'm going to go with a medium to longer term buy on it. Okay. All right, Carl? I love the conviction. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, be a, be a bull, be a bear, just don't be an ostrich, right? Don't stick your head in the sand and hope that the cycle will play out and you'll be there on the other side. Uh, be careful. I just think be careful with this one because if we do get, you know, a deeper crisis, um, you know, Quality, unfortunately, quality goes on sale, uh, and I, I, I get it. Macquarie is quality. I'm not going to, um, uh, you know, speak ill of it. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, deal flow will come down if there is a major crisis. Deal flow will come down. Um, volatility will be up, but then eventually volatility does settle settle down, and people just trade less because of the uncertainty. So look, just be careful. Last time, and, and you know, if you, the future is no, uh, well, past is no predictor of the future, you know, it went from 100 bucks down to 15 bucks. All right. Don't believe that Macquarie Bank is impervious. Don't believe any quote unquote blue chip stock in your portfolio is going to be impervious for what could happen next. Um, I would say if you're looking to buy it, look to buy at a much lower level. Um, if the you know what does hit the fans, uh, you'll get this at 100 bucks. I reckon okay. that's my tip. It's a sell. All right. um, I called it a sell last time I was on. I'm going to call it a sell again today. Okay. All right. Um, uh, now, our next stock to uh, have a look at, Carl. Uh, Nick wants a view on APA. Now, APA is a, basically an infrastructure company. It owns gas pipelines and it's like a, a toll road for, for gas producers to get their gas to market. 
Correct, absolutely. So they've got a little bit of a hedge against inflation because a lot of their contracts are tied to CPI. So that helps them on the revenue side. But you know, largely it's a you know it's a debt funded vehicle as well. So that's offset by the higher rates they will have to pay. I mean, they've got some insulation uh, from it in the short term, but you know what's going to happen in the long term. So it, look, typically utility stocks they don't do as well when rates go up. It's also part of the fact that typically they've got really good dividend yields and those dividend yields look really attractive. I think uh, this one's about five and a half percent. Those dividend yields look really attractive when interest rates are very low. So, geez, it wasn't that long ago, gosh, he started the year. We were, we, I was complaining that I was getting 0.5% on my term deposit, right? Three and a half percent now, right? So those and that's I'm guaranteed to get my money back in that regard. I'm not guaranteed on any stock investment to get my money back. Let me say that again. I'm not guaranteed to get my money back on a stock investment. Stock investment is risk and therefore you have to be compensated for that. So uh, look, the trend has turned on this one. It was a great trend. It was one of the best trends out there, but this is why you have to be on top of the charts. Uh, when that supply builds, yes, we do have a system where we go minus one third, that doesn't look good, didn't like that. Oh, that doesn't look good, don't like that, minus one third. And then the final, you know, three strikes, you're out. Um, and, and I like this way, and viewers maybe just think about ad adopting this. I know, get what suits you, but you don't have to be all in and all out. Everybody thinks they've got to pick the top, and if they don't get the top, they'll never sell until they get that again, Koshi. That is a faulty way of thinking in a bear market. You, you won't always get the top, have a system that you sell out a little bit. If something goes wrong, you sell out a bit more, and that way you don't feel so bad. Uh, by, by not getting the top. Um, mm. And if it goes back up, you're still in it. Uh, I'm, I'm digressing. APA is a sell, unfortunately. Okay. There's some quality there, but it's a sell on the chart. Michael? Um, it's universally loved APA by a lot of retail investors just because it's been such a stable mm. um, performer for them over a long period of time and delivered a very good yield as well. The thing with APA is that it is pretty much a monopoly mm. asset in many ways, and there have been measures taken in recent years to try and reduce um, that competitive advantage that it has. Um, through financial reporting, it now has to, to divulge a lot more information about the business and allows um, its customers to negotiate slightly better deals that they have been able to in the past. They do carry a lot of debt, but the beauty of a business like this is they can access the corporate bond market. They haven't got any maturities to 2025. So basically when they raised money a few years ago, um, it was all locked in at a specific interest rate. So. All their, all their contracts basically are CPI linked as well, which is a positive in this environment. However, um, it's unlikely they're gonna be able to continue to grow in Australia because of the regulatory environment. They did consider going overseas into the US and then they backtracked on that idea, which led to the CEO stepping down. Yep. So it's a company in, in our view at least, which is X growth, it will pay a very steady income. Um, they do have one particular asset called Wallenbiller um, in Gladstone, which will cease to provide cash flow from 2035. So still a long way out. But what that will mean is that the business and the management will slowly reduce their payout ratio in order to conserve cash in order to drive future expansion or growth yep. in some way or another. So that's something to be careful of as well. And obviously the fact that bond yields have gone up. In many ways, this is a bond proxy type stock because of the reliance on the income and because of the amount of debt that it holds on the balance sheet. So it's very hard to get too excited in this environment. I've been wrong a lot over the years on APA, calling a sort of top to it. And it's always sort of managed to push high, but now you're starting to see it unwind pretty quickly. So yeah. just be careful. Okay, so you'd have it as a as sell? As a sell, yes. Right. Okay. Um, 
uh, Lachlan wants a group or um, a view, Michael, on Mars Group, the uh, construction materials equipment and service provider. Uh, it's in civil infrastructure, mining, real estate markets. Yeah, so it's a vertically integrated property type business, does yeah. everything from building the houses to buying the land, developing themselves. They do have a few contracts on the go, like the Inland Rail Project, um, but a big chunk of their earnings in recent years has come from property development, buying assets, property prices going up, and they've done well off the back of that. But this is another company which is about 50% geared. Um, it carries a fair bit of debt. Two thirds of that debt is floating. Um, one third of that debt is fixed. So their financing costs are gonna go up significantly just at the point that housing prices are coming under pressure. Um, and, and also the costs of delivering many of these projects are going mm. up on the civil side of things. So it's not a huge surprise to see the share price under the pressure that it is given all the sort of parts that it's exposed to. So from my standpoint, it's going to have to be a sell. It's just found itself in a imperfect environment for a business like this. Um, and look, it just really shows the value of management, particularly for these property companies, um, being able to capital manage your business properly, yeah. hedge out some of that interest rate risk using swaps, et cetera, um, because it can really quickly turn on you if you do get it wrong and you got caught with a lot of floating debt. Yep. Uh, Carl? Yeah, it's all a bit depressing, isn't it, Koshi? Today's show, unfortunately. Oh, you know, you uh, you uh, picked up what I was exactly thinking, and we're going to finish the ten, and I'm going to say what what should you do. Uh, so I'll put you on notice for that. Do you do you sell your stocks, or you you keep your good ones and write them down, but then you short the market through an ETF that's ah, a, that's well, yeah. that's leveraged rather than just go in and out of your stocks all the time. Say you've got a million dollars in your self-managed super fund. Do you go into a four times leveraged uh, ETF to short the market and, yeah, look, and then get out sort of when it turns? Yeah, look, I mean, that's a great point. So, yeah, I mean, we don't have to, back in the olden days, Koshi, when I was a young whippersnipper in the markets, you had, you, look, your options were be in or be out, or yeah. you had to investigate some really complex instruments yes. like uh, options. So you had to buy puts or sell yeah. calls and things like that. Uh, these days we have, yeah, exchange traded funds, the wonderful things, and uh, and they are internally leveraged as well. So the idea is, it's called hedgings. This is the, the concept. Yeah. The, the little thing you type into Google after today's show to go and learn about more is hedging. So we're trying to eliminate the downside. Now, the only problem with hedging, gosh, as you know, is that um, if the market goes back up, you're going to lose on your hedge. Oh, well, that's okay. It's, 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 it's like an insurance it. policy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's an insurance policy. You, you know, you're supposed to pay for insurance. So don't think of it as that's a bad thing. What you'll make back on your portfolio, you're probably going to lose a bit on your hedge. But yes, again, this is this theory of, don't be the ostrich. Too many people, I think, will just say, well, in the long run, the market will go back up and I'll enjoy it on the other side. You're right. You can use ETFs. Uh, you can use options. As I said, you can sell calls yeah. against your holdings. It's very, very popular. The only problem with that is it doesn't give you much protection. You only make a little bit each time. And you know, if your stock goes down $10, you might make 20 cents of that back. You could buy puts, but that becomes really expensive. Yeah. So uh, an ETF is, is a sensible way to do it. Um, over here at Think Markets, we like to use CFDs, contracts for difference, but you need to learn about that as well. That gives right. you a really perfect, perfect hedge against your portfolio as well. But to answer your question, yes, do something. Yeah. Absolutely. And hedging is, is, is yeah, a sensible yeah. thing to do. 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, on the on this show back in sort of April and May, um, if you go back, we were discussing SNAS. Yeah. Um, again, we took it to all our clients and, and just explained exactly what it is. Um, it was for some people and it's not for others. Um, a lot of people might have cash on the sidelines, which they're just waiting to put in. So they're happy to ride the cycle with the equities they have. Whereas others are happy to at least partially hedge out their portfolio with that short um, NASDAQ leveraged ETF. And it's been a good position to have. Yeah. Our view at the moment is you want to keep your quality names yep. that are defensive, um, replicable earnings aren't too cyclical. Uh, you want tech businesses that have short duration cash flows and earnings. That is the businesses that are doing it in the here and now, where not a lot of the value is embedded in their future potential yep. never, never um, type returns. So that is what we've been doing. You know, companies like CSL, ResMed, yeah. Seek, REA, but then you've got also that hedge in place. That way, if yeah. the NASDAQ does fall away, you do cover yourself. You can always then recycle that money back into the market. Sort of, if you way. trade in and out, you have tax issues and all that sort of That's stuff. Right. So yep. short the market <laughs> through an ETF, and uh, but you've got to be agile when the market yeah. turns and you keep following us here. And it, well, that's, and that's where the charts come in, Koshi. That's where the charts come in. So the yeah. other thing is you need a methodology. So it's one thing to say, hey, go and hedge yourself, but you yeah. need a methodology to tell you when to put the hedge on and when to take the hedge off. And that's why you need to right. watch the charts. Yeah, you'd, ha you'd have to put it on now from what you guys are talking about. So, no, it's never too late. So never flaming late. depressed, I'm going to go and do it now. It's been a uh, <laughs> quickly, Mars Group. Yes, very quickly. Uh, look, I'm going to go sell with uh, Michael. The chart looks horrific. Uh, they did just reaffirm their earnings in May, but I think there's going to be a big profit okay. down, down coming. Costs are going the wrong way and interest rates obviously the wrong way as well. Okay, Shane wants a view, Carl, on Worley. Uh, Worley is in the APA basket. It, uh, it is going to struggle, I think, uh, regardless of the fact that there are some good fundamentals out there. So these guys, if you don't know, they are uh, contracting uh, energy energy engineering contracting services uh, for civil construction, but mainly on the energy side of things. So uh, the the idea of the thesis is if energy is going to be strong, then Wally should be strong. But we've seen weakness creep into energy and then Wally's cracked. The bottom line here is it doesn't matter how how much quality you've got in a stock in a bear market, Koshi, unfortunately, everything goes down. So yeah. oh, as, as much as it pains me because I yeah. do like Wally, I'm going to go sell. Sell as well. Okay, Michael. Yeah, Woolies really stood the test of time. They did an acquisition recently, which reduced their reliance on hydrocarbons, which is the oil and, and gas stuff, to about 50% of their business. Yep. It also increased their exposure to chemicals um, from about 5 to 20%. Um, a lot of their contracts are cost plus margins, so they are protected and they don't put a lot of their capital at risk when they do take on these projects. And in a sector where you don't really prioritise the cheapest offering, you actually go with those that have done things before and delivered on time and on budget in the past. Wally has garnered a lot of credibility within the industry and a lot of good quality relationships. They have had a big recovery of sorts. I think they're languishing yep. around five, six, seven bucks there for, for a while and they have recovered along with the oil price. But now that that's rolling over, um, the perception is that Wally will struggle, but also the civil contracts and just the general slowing in the global economy could weigh on them. I'm happy to go with a a hold on this one because it is probably the highest quality engineering business on the ASX yeah. and on a long-term time horizon if you want that exposure this is probably the way to play it. Okay uh, and our final stock uh, Michael Vicinity Centres uh, owns 
63 shopping centres. Uh, Tucker wants a view on that, including some DFOs as well. Yeah, so it owns the QVB, many people will be familiar with, yeah, the Strand Sydney. Arcade yeah. in Sydney, the big Gladstone shopping centre down in Melbourne. So they've got very high quality assets. Mm. They've got great tenants. Um, their occupancy is very high. Um, they are able to increase rents along with inflation in many cases. This is one example of a property trust that doesn't really have much debt at about 20, 25%. Um, so it's a pretty good opportunity in our opinion. It's one that we have held and done quite well off. It's one that we opportunistically bought around COVID right. um, because its dividends basically went from about 16 cents per share down to zero. And now they're slowly picking up again. It's about 10 cents a share. So if they can get their dividends back up to around 15 cents a share, all of a sudden you're looking at about a yield of 10% or so at the moment. But at the moment, there's nowhere to hide in property trusts. We're doing a lot better uh, a few weeks ago than we are now in this particular position. But it's one that we're happy to back through the cycle um, just because of the quality of its assets, quality of its tenants and low gearing. See, so, so you're saying a yes? A yes. For this on the long oh, I'm term? not going to do a buy right now. It's, right. Very, it's, it's one that we hold. Um, but so you do a hold on. hold on to it. Things have to settle down before you want to put yeah. new cash into the market. Six, six, but it is paying about six to seven percent dividend yield, and it's expected that dividend per share will slowly start to creep okay. up back to where it was pre-COVID. See, Centre Group came up earlier in the week with Josh Barker yeah. and, and Mathan, and they had that as a long-term buy, yeah. uh, preferring it over retailers. That the yeah. retail exposure should be in quality retail centres rather than the actual retailers. And that's probably what we feel with something like this. Oh, okay. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, Carl? Yeah, it's funny you bring up Essendor as well. So I, I put these two in, in my least worst property trust <laughs> basket. Um, but it's, yeah, but, you know, I, I can't get excited about them and because, yeah. you know, I'm taking a pretty cautious stance on the overall market. Uh, I'm going to be a broken record and go sell again. But, yeah, I, I agree yeah. with everything Michael said. Okay. The chart, you look at the chart, I mean, the chart isn't anywhere near as bad as everything else in the sector. So that speaks to the fact that the people who own it aren't as desperate to sell it right now. Yeah. And there is some to coming in. So think about, again, what is the market saying by the chart looking not completely awful? Well, there's some, some demand out there, but it doesn't look great either, right? So yeah. it can't be a buy. Yeah. Okay. All right. So finally, which sort of ETFs would you use to short the market? Uh, well, there's the, what there's the B bus, uh, uh, B -bus for the US. Yeah, there's B boz in uh, Australia. Yeah, B boz okay. is leveraged. ASX one inverse. <laughs> yeah, which is four times le leveraged. Yeah, it? I think look because they use future markets, they can't get it exactly. But many of right. them are between two and three times leveraged. That's what they state. Yeah. Uh, in the inverse direction. Yeah, but Carl, look, you're, you're you're eighty percent cash. Yeah, that's what you know. That's that's the message we have at the moment. So oh, look, it's easy for us, though, Koshi, because we're not fund managers. Poor old fund managers. I do feel for them because they have to be invested. That's oh. their job, right? So their yeah. maximum cash level is ten percent, fifteen percent in a fit. Yeah, but they charge pretty big today, fees, so I don't get too sympathetic do. with them. <laughs> my message to viewers is: you've got the luxury of not being a fund manager. You yeah. see, the problem for a fund manager is if they were to sell now, you know, the, the big big titanic ships to get back in. If the market starts to move away from them, yeah. how do they get back in? So unfortunately, they can't even sell many of the times and many of them don't have hedging in their mandates. 
Well, mm. boo-hoo and bad luck for them. Yeah. You, you, are, you have the flexibility as an individual to take control of your portfolio and do these things like hedging, to sell out of ones that are looking shaky, to learn about charts and you know following trends and things like that. So if the message is today, I know it's been very depressing, but the silver lining is, you know what, empower yourself and get out there yeah. and you know, do something. A lot, of, a lot of people argue that you shouldn't hedge because when the recovery comes, you miss out on the upside. But a lot of people would happily sacrifice some of the upside in oh, order yeah. to gain the protection on the downside. Yeah. So that's the, that's the logic behind it. But people often say you shouldn't you know, bet against the market. Long-term history suggests that, that things will eventually be okay. But not a lot of people, particularly, particularly those closer to retirement age, oh, sure. want to see their capital down another 10, 15, 20% from these already depressed prices. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Carl, the charts are saying that it will be quite easy to see, you're seeing on the charts, easy 20% uh, well, drop. Oh yeah, I was going to say, you, it'll be quite easy to see the bottom. <laughs> oh no. It, it, <laughs> look, no. It, look, yes, no, I think no. I think order of magnitude, you know, 10, 15% is not unreasonable. Um, I, I put up on, on Twitter earlier in the week some charts of now versus the GFC and yeah. how uncannily similar cool. the, the charts look. And I'm not saying the situation's the same, but people respond to uncertainty in the same way over and over again. Gosh, they've been doing it since Adam was a So how much boy. further, if it mirrors the GFC, would it go down? Oh, no, that won't be good because that we, we fell 55% in that GFC. So yeah, I don't think that's another 20, 30%. Not, un, unless we have, um, you know, a liquidity crisis. So oh. there's just no liquidity markets and everything falls over. So, oh. but this time there's, there's plenty of liquidity out there. That's the thing. It's just, all, it's just all hiding at the moment. Yeah, or you get stupid decisions by governments like in the UK well, to bring in yeah. tax cuts and energy <laughs> subsidies. And then the Bank of England goes, well, that's bad for inflation, <laughs> so I'm going to put up interest rates any uh, further to take those subsidies and tax cuts away from you. And you look back and you go, "What is yeah. this UK government doing?" Yeah, this is the well, this is the uncertainty. That's this a is deep recession on the way. The, the, the problem, yeah, the problem is something breaks. Uh, something big in, in the global economy breaks, and then you get those knock-on effects, those domino effects that we saw yeah. back in the GFC. I mean, and when when there's risk, people want out, Koshi. They want to go for the door. Now, if you're one of those people that can't sell, tax reasons, whatever, we've, we've given you some incredibly you know sensible strategies today yeah. uh, to protect yourself. Like Macquarie released some interesting research like a week or so ago that typically there's about five bear market rallies within a full bear market, and the average sort of bear market rally is about 15% or so. So often you get these big bounces, it yeah. looks like the end's coming, but then you get the next leg lower. Um, Goldman Sachs are still predicting sort of three to nine months until we see a bottom in shares. And it's all about the outlook for earnings. We haven't really even seen earnings roll over for a lot of the companies yeah. because they are backward looking. But if you do wait for earnings to bottom, then you'll miss the pickup in the share prices because yeah. markets tend to be forward looking. So there could be a little bit of noise still to play out, unfortunately. Okay. We we need interest rates to start coming down, but then to really come down because you know we're so far away in this cycle yeah. uh, from from the bottom. Yeah, it's just, it's just so much has to play out. And I think people will keep thinking, oh, it'll be quick, it'll be quick. No, this this so much could go wrong from here. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, we started on such a oh. happy note. We're ending on an <laughs> no. equally unhappy note, but it is. It's been a great hour, Carl and Michael. Thank you so much for taking us through. You've given us so much food for thought. We really appreciate it. 
Good on you, guys. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Christian. Uh, recap the final five stocks. Uh, a sell from Carl on Macquarie. Uh, a long-term buy from Michael. APA, a sell from both. Mars, a sell from both. Uh, Wally, a sell from Carl. A hold from uh, Michael. Vicinity, the same. A sell from Carl. And a hold from Michael. I hope you enjoyed it. I learned a lot from that hour. Um, coming up on the small caps, uh, Philip Pepe from uh, Shoreham Partners walks us through his thoughts on Sigma Healthcare and Austin Engineering. That is coming up next. And if you want uh, any stocks for us, for me to put to our expert panel, put them in an email, the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. See all the stocks in the calls portfolio. Head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Uh, more of Osbiz after this. The Call is brought to you by CMC Markets, a world-leading online trading platform for CFDs and shares around the globe.